hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, part of the Informed Traveler radio show, heard each week on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. Seems that there's light at the end of the proverbial tunnel when it comes to being able to travel again. There are more and more countries removing their travel restrictions and planning to accept visitors in the coming weeks and months, one of them being the Bahamas. So a bit later in the podcast, we'll get a sense of where the Bahamas are at when it comes to inviting us back to visit. We'll also head to Yellowstone National Park and visit the Old Faithful Inn, a U.S. National Historic Landmark and one of the largest log structures in the world. But... To start things out this week, we're going to talk about Rumble Alberta. It's a program designed to encourage you to get out and explore Alberta this summer and help support the communities and businesses in the province. To help explain it further is Phoenix Phillips. He is the founder of License to Ride World. His website is licensetoriderideworld.com. Hi, Phoenix. That just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it, Randy? License to Ride World. It does. Um, Tell me a little bit more about uh, Rumble Alberta that you're involved with, though. Well, License to Ride World is is our basically launch site for anybody who's a motorcycle enthusiast. And Rumble Alberta is a cool initiative that I couldn't say no to. The team at Rumble Alberta, they reached out to me and said, Phoenix, we need your help. Can, can we do something about this? It's an ambitious business initiative created by Motorcycle Tourism Canada to promote local businesses across Alberta. And they want to do it one region at a time. And Randy, we know the the economic impact COVID has had on businesses, mm-hmm, for sure. rural and urban, I mean, just suffering like no one's business. So the team decided they wanted to do something about it. So starting now through October, the whole team of motorcycle riders, uh, four-wheelers, adventure enthusiasts are all exploring 44 touring routes and 13 adventure routes, which you can find on the website, and encouraging everyone to do the same. So myself and other influencers will literally, and talk about a fun summer, traveling these routes, sharing online information, everything from interviews to videos to pictures. And over the next four and a half months, we hope to provide a positive economic impact to over 250 rural Alberta communities. So many times, you know, we've heard so many campaigns about how can we help businesses we believe that this is one way. So what we've done is we, we divided the whole province of Alberta into five different regions. And again, you can see it on our, our website. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from north central to northwest, northeast, south, south central, um, from Fort McMurray to Edson to Slave Lake to Two Hills, Milk River, Porcupine Road, Elk River Road. Man, there's so many places, Randy, when you take a look at the, the routes and the maps that you say, oh, uh, I didn't even know about this. So, <laughs> so, so it's pretty cool. It sounds pretty cool. Um, it's not just for motorcycle people, though. I know you're a motorcycle person. I'm not a yep. motorcycle person. I can still participate, can't I? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the beauty of this. You can bring your family. You can bring your friends. You can go by yourself. And it doesn't matter what mode of transportation you take. You can even get on your bike, for heaven's sake. Hmm. Uh, but... One of the things that's so cool about this is that there are built-in challenges. There's something called the, the fish pond challenge or the, the maze challenge or the, the fairies challenge. But not only do we hope to have you visit these routes, whichever way you decide, but we're also throwing in prizes for discovering what's on these routes. And what I mean by that is there's um, an indigenous name history 
that you can actually uh, partake in. Local Alberta history and, and heritage information, um, unusual roadside attractions and, and monuments. There's geocaches, uh, visiting local and regional events and enjoying local food and hospitality. And all of these, Randy, are actually um, prize worthy. So it, it adds up to points and prizes if you want to partake. And and if you win some of these prizes, you get swag or vendor discounts and even the big prizes like tourism packages, which is really fun. But really, when you, when you shake it all down, the key is to create touring challenges to bring visitors to communities and community businesses that have been suffering for so long. And if you're a family, this is another way just to get out and explore. I mean, mm-hmm. even with restrictions, there's well, so many things to explore in our own backyard. And, and this is one way that we're going to do it to highlight it. How long is an average route? Like, is it a day thing? Is it an overnight thing? Or, or are there just various ones? Again, depends on how often you want to make a stop. So these can average anywhere from two to four hours, but you can even take some extended ones as well. What we are doing is encouraging you to do as many of these routes as possible. And keep in mind, too, that when you do these routes and you're exploring all these different uh, sidelines, if you will, it's the businesses that are just hoping to get you in their store. Mm. And and, and the cool thing about businesses, too, if I may, just real quickly, there are countless opportunities for businesses to get involved in Rumble, Alberta. And we've even set up something called pay it forward opportunity. Like some businesses can't get involved with this because they just don't have the money. But if you're a business that wants to help another business, you can help struggling businesses by paying it forward. I mean, the summer of 2021 should not be spent indoors. I mean, just ask your kids. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Uh, hearing, and I'm sure you know this, Randy. We're hearing about staycation all the time. Yeah, right? exactly. exactly. So why not do this and have some fun with it? There is a cost involved. Where does the money go? So this is the beautiful thing is if you get a, um, it's called it a Rumble Alberta event pass. It's about $100. And there's some discounts if you get an early bird. Jump on it right now. But the, the cool part of it, a part of this goes to, um, is donated to support a charity of your choice. And even charities, I mean, we talk about businesses. Mm-hmm. How about charities? You know, there's so many of these nonprofits that are out there that are just struggling. So we thought, well, why just, why not extend it to these not-for-profits? It's literally a win-win for everyone. Businesses, communities, charities, and of course, more importantly, your family. And this is a good way to support, like you say, uh, local businesses and communities that uh, really need it. It is called Rumble Alberta. You can find the link on the License to Ride World website, license, the number two, rideworld.com. And Phoenix Phillips is the founder of License to Ride World. Always fun to chat, Phoenix. We'll be talking to you throughout the summer and your adventures. Stay safe, pal. Well, one of the more famous national parks in the U.S. is Yellowstone National Park. It's home to Old Faithful, the world-famous geyser, and it's also home to the Old Faithful Inn, a U.S. National Historic Landmark and one of the largest log structures in the world. So joining us now to tell us the story behind the Old Faithful Inn is Rick Honinghausen. He is the Director of Sales and Marketing for Yellowstone National Park Lodges, 
Their website is YellowstoneNationalParkLodges.com. Hi, Rick. Nice to talk to you. And nice to chat with you to do, to, as well. I have to admit, though, my experience with Old Faithful and Yellowstone National Park mostly comes from an old Disney film. <laughs> I've never actually experienced myself, but it's still a pretty popular place to visit, I would think, right? It, in, as far as Yellowstone's concerned, it's the most popular hotel of nine hotels and lodges that we manage. And it is an icon in the national park system. It's been credited for inspiring rustic architecture in the national parks. Something that of a slang term has been used as park architecture. So it's not only a place that's been a favorite of our own visitors for many, many years. It's something that has its inspirations reaching into other parks as well. Mm-hmm. Well, it is part of your, your chain, your conglomerate of uh, national park lodges. So explain a little bit about Yellowstone National Park Lodges in general. Certainly, and thank you. Uh, For Yellowstone specifically, we're the primary concessioner. Uh, We're here to operate all the lodges, as well as four campgrounds and an RV park, and the affiliated uh, restaurants and dining outlets and tours and activities and gift shops and such. So, um, and we've been here uh, since about 1980 ourselves, although obviously concessions operations goes back to the before the turn of the century. Um, as part of the bigger companies and Terra Travel Collection, as you referred to, we're also in other parks, and for example, Grand Canyon and Zion and, and Rocky Mountain and Mount Rushmore and uh, so and, and others. So we're we're very we're very fortunate, and I consider myself certainly especially privileged and fortunate that I get to spend my time here in Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. Well, you must have a nice view from your office, I would think. <laughs> I actually do. I'm in Mammoth Hot Springs, which is in the northern part of the park, and I actually live two doors down as well in the oldest building that's in use in the park currently that goes back to 1884, uh, was built and run and, and uh, lived in by a stagecoach operator. But as I look out my window now, I'm seeing the Mammoth Hot Springs Hotel and a field that uh, at the moment doesn't have any, but it's typically got a lot of elk, if not bison. And right now in June, elk are starting to have calves, So, and bison have been through with their calves. So my morning commute by foot uh, is smooth, unless I've got <laughs> uh, mother elk or mother bison uh, protecting their calves, in which case there are certain, certain things I need to take care of. <laughs> well, that paints a pretty good picture, but tell me a little bit more about the Old Faithful Inn itself, uh, where it's located within the park, and, and what do we need to know when we're staying at a, a U.S. national park? Yeah, well, first of all, the and, uh, the Old Faithful Inn is in the southwest part of the park. The, the park itself has a road system, hundreds of miles of roads in the park. It's big, 2.2 million acres. And there's the central part of the road is, forms roughly a figure eight. It's five spurs that go up to five different entrances. And Old Faithful Inn sits in the old upper geyser basin uh, in the southwest part of the park. Uh, there's a couple of other lodges near there, too, the Old Faithful Lodge, which is all cabins, and the Old Faithful Snow Lodge, which is cabins and rooms. But the, the inn itself, uh, when you walk out the front door and and look right, you're looking at the famed Old Faithful Geyser. Uh, and from the door, if you will, or uh, out your door from the inn, uh, you can walk out on a series of boardwalks and paths through the upper geyser basin, and, you're, and Yellowstone is, is home to more geysers and hot springs and any place else in the world and the upper geyser basin is the biggest one in in, geyser basin in yellowstone so if you want to be immersed in geothermal features and all the all that goes with that which is pretty cool and some wildlife uh in an iconic hotel 
that's where to be. Mm-hmm. And I'll go a step further, if I might. Uh, it's an it's an incredible lobby. Folks, go on our website. You can see and search under where to stay, and you'll see the Old Faithful Inn and a lot of pictures. It's a uh, almost 80-foot-tall lobby when you walk in the building. Gnarled wood, logs, and such, uh, three, three floors that you can sit on, and it's a place that people, even if they're not staying there, tend to gather and, and marvel at the, the uh, architecture, as I mentioned earlier. <laughs> yeah. uh, play games, uh, bring board games, play games, or maybe sit out on the deck and watch Old Faithful as an outdoor deck. There's so much goes on, so much, so many ways to meet people because it's such a gathering place, uh-huh. uh, and no one's a stranger. So uh, both the outdoors, outside the inn is fascinating, and the indoors brings its own charm and uh, and upside as well. For sure. And obviously, uh, right now, there's COVID restrictions and, and those types of things, and people can check your website on what's happening right now. But down the road, I'm thinking in, in you know, a couple of months, maybe even sooner, things will get back to normal and, and uh, things will open up. Uh, and I would think that, uh, like, you work there, and it's like everything else, you kind of get used to everything. But when people come to visit, the excitement when they see that uh, guys are going for the first time must be amazing, right? You, you must revisit it all over again. Yeah. The best uh, experience I have is when I get to be with someone who's visiting here for the first time. And and I'm I'm originally from upstate New York in Syracuse area. And, and I came out here after college in 1980 to work a summer. And uh, I only mention this because now fast forward to today, I've come and gone a few times, but I've got about 30 years in Yellowstone. And I can tell you that the first time experiencing a geyser or bison or whatever is, is, is special. You can't beat it. But I, and, and, and so many of our visitors that come back year after year, I still had the excitement of, you know, calving season, if you will, of seeing a, an elk or a bison baby trying to, <laughs> trying to find its legs. And there's certain times of years, while geysers, there's a whole group called geyser gazers, people that come here for long periods of time, over and over again, year after year, um, walking the geyser basin and coming across some geyser gazers um, who know all this stuff and are fascinated with it. While geysers aren't my 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 favorite thing, I, I love them, but they're not. I love wildlife more. But when you go out there. And, and you run across a geyser gazer and you start learning even more about how fascinating all these features are, these natural features. And, and one other tip if folks are coming, uh, we're high altitude, so our morning temperatures are usually pretty cool mm-hmm. in the evening. And when you've got cooler temperatures, or if you're here in the winter even, uh, in a geyser basin with that hot water and steam coming up, uh, it is like walking into another world <laughs> can feel like that. So um, I, that's when I love geyser basins the most, and oftentimes early season, late season, but even in the middle of summer, early morning, when the temperature you can still drop into the 30 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, that's a, For me, that's a special time. Again, otherworldly is a term I use far too often to describe <laughs> geyser basins when the temperatures are cool, but I think it's the best descriptor. And I, and I would think if, since the uh, Old Faithful Geyser is right there, you don't have to plan a tour or anything like that. You can just kind of wait when it happens and, and just kind of walk out, as you mentioned, or, or even watch it from your, your balcony or that type of thing. Yeah, there are, there's an east wing of the Old Faithful Inn where there are rooms on the geyser side. So most of those, although there's trees and stuff too, you might be able to watch it from your room or the deck. There's a big mm-hmm. deck, public deck out built onto the inn. Um, so you certainly you might be able to see it from there, 
but you're right. It's you don't need a guide to walk around, and there's interpretive signage scattered around. Uh, you know, the guides are basing. But I will say this: the the National Park Service Rangers do do walks and talks. Um, we have some programs of our own tour activities that that you know provide insight into what's going on in the geyser basin. It, it, if you want to learn a little bit more about why is it that a, play, a geyser like Old Faithful go is routine and that it's every 90 minutes plus or minus 10, why, why does that happen like that? Um, there's ways to learn about all that, which is kind. Of, I enjoy that. Mm. Uh, I want to know why something's happening. Although I also marvel in the fact that it is happening, and I'm perfectly happy to accept the fact that it's happening because it's happening and that's good <laughs> enough. But, um, but I also like to learn more. The other piece, piece about geysers is if they are predictable geysers and not all of them are, but the national park service actually will post, um, predicted, uh, estimated, you know, predicted times of eruption for those geysers that are predictable. But something like Old Faithful Geyser, it's 90-minute window plus or minus 10. There are other geysers that are twice a day, and it's, you know, your window of plus mm-hmm. or minus is much much wider. Right out the front door, the Old Faithful Inn. You can find yeah. out more information. It's part of the uh, Yellowstone National Parks Lodges or National Park Lodges. The website is YellowstoneNationalParkLodges.com. And Rick Honig Housing is the Director of Sales and Marketing for Yellowstone National Park Lodges. It was uh, fun chatting with you, Rick. I appreciate it. Randy, the pleasure was all mine. And, and thanks to all your listeners, too, for, for giving me a few minutes of their day today. Well, there are more and more countries removing their travel restrictions and planning to accept visitors in the coming weeks and months. One of them is the Bahamas. So to give us an update on planning a trip to the Bahamas is Paul Strong. He is the Senior Director in Canada for the Bahamas Ministry of Tourism. The website is bahamas.com. Hi, Paul. Hi, Randy. We know the uh, COVID pandemic has had a huge impact on the travel industry uh, here in Canada, around the world. But I would guess for a company or for a country like the Bahamas that relies so much on tourism, uh, I can't even imagine the impact it's been the last 14, 15 months. It has had a tremendous impact and not in a good way, unfortunately. So obviously being, as you mentioned, a tourism-dependent country, it impacted our economy quite significantly. But the good news is things are turning around very nicely and quickly in the, in the United States. So our visitor arrivals from the United States uh, is on the incline as more of our neighbors to the south are becoming vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And we can substantiate that by the number of requests for Bahamas health visas that we've been getting. We've been inundated with requests for health visas. So it's looking good. We just hope that that trend continues. For Canada specifically, unfortunately, as we all know, unfortunately, due to the cancellation of the nonstop flight to the Bahamas and other Caribbean destinations, mm-hmm. we've been pretty much shut down for the last six months. But the good news there is that we anticipate that there'll be this huge surge of demand, pent-up demand for travel to the Bahamas and the Caribbean in, in particular, once the airlift comes back and once the government-mandated protocols are lifted. So we are feverishly preparing for that. We hope that we're absolutely spot on, that the Canadians would be just really want to get away 
<laughs> like the Bahamas in the fall. And not only would they want to get away, but we're also hoping that, you know, this revenge travel phenomenon that we all hear about will also come to fruition, whereby, you know, because they, in most cases, haven't had an opportunity to travel to a Caribbean destination, Bahamas specifically for the last two years, unfortunately, mm-hmm. that they'll not only want to come, but they'll extend their stay and perhaps engage in activities and, and that and the sort that they normally would not have done. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about. Uh, we're not going to talk about uh, what's in the past. We're going to talk about what's down the road. What's the uh, Bahamas like right now? I understand that they're opening more for vaccinated uh, people. That means you've had the, the double dose of vaccines. Let's kind of jump ahead. Is there a timeline or anything like that in place where you know, okay, this if this happens, then this. If this happens, then this. And then maybe we're looking into, like you say, the fall. And I can only speak for myself, but I can't wait to get away. <laughs> and if the Bahamas <laughs> wants to invite me, I, I'll go. <laughs> you have an open standing invitation. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, uh, effective May 1st, uh, the Bahamas took a stance that any visitor that is fully vaccinated, meaning they obviously would have had the, the double doses, the mm-hmm. two doses, and they have passed the two-week um, inoculation period, they can come into the Bahamas without having to have a negative PCR test. Mm-hmm. They still have to apply for the Bahamas visa, but if they're fully vaccinated, then they don't have to take the test, and they don't have to have the, the, the antigen test, which is required after five days or more if you're in the Bahamas. Unvaccinated people are still more than welcome. It's just that they would have to present a negative COVID test mm-hmm. to enter in the first instance, and then on the fifth day, should they stay beyond five days, they would have to get another antigen test. And obviously that has to prove negative, otherwise they'll have to self-isolate or quarantine. Mm-hmm. So I guess we covered off both bases. Those who are fully vaccinated, obviously you come in, you just don't need to have the test. If you are unvaccinated, you just have to have the test. Okay, and I'm and I'm hoping at some points this is you, this won't be necessary down the road, right? Yeah, I think we all hope that that will be the case where you know X percentage of the global population be vaccinated and proven that it's working, and therefore no one needs to be concerned about testing and non-testing the mm-hmm. whole month. Okay, so let's just assume that I'm coming for a week or ten days. It's uh, post-COVID. Um, if I'm vaccinated, that's cool. If I'm unvaccinated, that's cool too. Uh, and, and talking about the Bahamas is kind of talking like talking about Canada. It is a it is a rather large country uh, in terms of places to visit and things to see. So let's try to do the best we can here. Uh, I think when most people think of the Bahamas, they think of Nassau, don't they? They do, and most people think of it not only as Nassau, but they think of it unfortunately as a one island destination, mm-hmm. one island country, which it's far from being that. Um, as you know, we have 700 islands in Keys. We actively monitor and promote 16 of those because those are the 16 that have hotel, uh, airport, and hotel infrastructure. Um, Nassau is by far the most popular, primarily because that's where the larger hotels, the larger brand name hotels like Atlantis and Bahama and Sandal, one of them are located. And it's obviously the, probably the most popular cruise port in the Caribbean region. Freeport, Grand Bahama, uh, what we like to call our second city, is probably the second most popular destination in the Bahamas. Um, some larger hotels, but more boutique hotels, uh, more family-friendly, more ecotourism-centric. Um, and then the collective term for the other islands is what we call the out islands of the Bahamas. And that's really, really, in my opinion, the true beauty of the Bahamas. That's where you find smaller hotels, uh, you know, 
The beach is your own. You can always find a beach where you'll probably be the only one on the beach. Uh, local restaurants, you know, you know, down home, you know, the residents don't lock the doors at night. Mm-hmm. That sort of really, really get away from it all type of vacation. Yeah, there's lots of things to do and see. I, I guess the best thing to do would be to go to your website, Bahamas.com, and decide you know, what kind of an experience you want to do and, and where you want to begin. Uh, I suppose it's probably easiest, as you're talking about airlift from Canada, to go to Nassau and kind of branch out from there, right? Absolutely. And on our website, we have what we call a trip tuna, if you will, and you kind of put in what, you're, what type of vacation you're looking for. You want, you know, to be the only one on the beach you want, you know, you just put in the, the filters, if you will, mm-hmm. and it kind of filters out the islands and the hotel resort, hotel or resort that best suits the type of vacation you're looking to have. So absolutely, Bahamas.com should be the first stop for anyone looking to kind of figure out where, in fact, it's best suited for their vacation option in the Bahamas. Tell me what your uh, people-to-people program, that sounds really cool. It is. It is a nice program that's been around for many, many years, and it's a program that matches Canadian visitors of similar interests, hobbies, uh, and so forth, with Bahamians. Um, usually, um, when this whole COVID thing kind of dissipates a bit, um, you're invited to the to the host, people to people host home. Usually, there's a meal prepared, and the people tend to get to know each other over the meal. Um, they take them on excursions in some cases. They introduce them to their family. Obviously, because they have similar interests, they exchange, you know, if you're a soccer player, for instance, and mm. uh, my kids play soccer, you, you, you speak about the differences or the, the similarities of whatever your common interests are. Um, very nice program. It's been going on for almost 30 years now. And we're finding that people make lifelong friends through this program, and they tend to return to the country and, you know, connect with their people people host year after year. Mm-hmm. So highly recommended, and information on that program is also available on Bahamas.com. How easy is it to get around to the islands? Um, are there chartered uh, boats that can take you around, or, or tour operators? How does that work? Both. Um, if you land in Nassau, which obviously is the hub, um, Bahamas Air, which is our national flag carrier, offers daily service to most of the major, what we call, out islands. I know that we are going to have trouble with this because uh, we're running out of time. And like I said, it, it, there's just too much to talk about uh, Bahamas. Uh, give me one tip when you're coming to the Bahamas that, I, that people should know. I could tell you the top thing that I suggest they do. Sure. And that is absolutely doing everything and anything on the water. The waters are beautiful, as uh, has been um, Chris Hatfield attested to from state. So I would definitely go snorkeling. I would definitely go diving if you're a diver. If you have more time, I would actually take an excursion from Nassau into the Zuma Keys. And swim with the pigs, that's really highly recommended. <laughs> There's too much to chat about and not enough time. Paul Strawn is the Senior Director for Canada for the Bahamas Ministry of Tourism. Lots of information on the website, uh, bahamas.com. That's the best place to start. Uh, Paul, it was a pleasure chatting with you. We'll have to have you back Thank on you, again. Thank you, Randy. Thank you so much, Randy. My pleasure. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website at theinformedtraveler.ca. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. And if you want to drop me a line, my email is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler. Or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.